Welcome, welcome, welcome to talking about the Green New Deal. I'll be the first to admit, I had not heard anything about the Green New Deal prior to the uh, presidential election. Well, not election, but the presidential debate. I hadn't heard anything about it, so I knew nothing of it, right? So, uh, so I said, well, let me look into it, right? Let me look into it. I knew I wasn't going to gain any anything of, of tangible um, understanding by listening to the debate because each side is just going to poke holes in it without me actually being able to examine it myself. So I said, let me take it upon myself to look into this. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I found the article in the New York Times. Um, obviously, some people are biased to the media outlet that they get their information from, but I found it and then it had a link to which you could click and actually look at the deal in its entirety. So, hey, thumbs up in my book, right? So the title is, What is the Green New Deal? A Climate Proposal Explained, written by Lisa Friedman or Friedman, depending on how um, she um, pronounces her name. Uh, this article actually was written February 21st, 2019. I'm recording this October 13th, 2020. So we're basically talking about an article that was written, you know, going on two years ago. But it still has, um, in my opinion, it still has a lot of, well, not still has, but it basically, in a nutshell, explains uh, everything about it, right? So it says, what is the Green New Deal? Says a congressional is a congressional resolution that lays out a grand plan for tackling climate change. Now that's not all. Is it, that's not all that it is looking to address. It's also looking to address societal problems like economic inequality and racial injustice. Right. So it was proposed by Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Uh, like I said, anytime I see her name, uh, people are always using the acronym of AOC. Uh, she's from New York, as well as Senator Edward J. Markey of Massachusetts, right? Um, so basically, the proposal calls on the federal government, I'm reading this from the article, calls on the federal government to wean the United States from fossil fuels and curve planet warming greenhouse gas emissions across the economy. It also aims to guarantee new high-paying jobs in clean energy industries, right? So... First thing that popped out to me prior to even reading what the what it was was the name. Right? So as I scroll down the article, I found something. It says, What's with the name? And I said, Okay, let me see what's going on here. So it says, um, and I'm reading from the article, the Green New Deal takes its name and inspiration from the major government makeover known as the New Deal. Launched by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt to help the United States recover from the Great Depression, right? So, um, <clears throat> I'm going to do a podcast about the New Deal. Um, so, but I just wanted to see what it was. And it's, in, it's the name, the Green New Deal actually encompasses that because um, it's basically talking about the same things as the New Deal you know, providing certain things like that, as well as um, fighting climate change, right? 
So these are some of the major provisions, and then I'm going to actually go into the um, the deal itself and look at a couple of more things, right? So it says that the entire world needs to get to net zero emissions by 2050, right? Which means as um, meaning as much carbon would have to be absorbed as released into the atmosphere in the United States must take a leading role in achieving that. Now, the reason why they feel the U.S. should take a leading role is, um, according to estimates, in 2018, the carbon emissions rose by 3.4% in the U.S. and rose 2.7% global, globally, right? So we already know 3.4 is larger than 2.7. So obviously, if you're the leading emitter, then you should take charge and try to curve um, those particular emissions, right? Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. It's a um, it's a good article. Um, you know, I like it. But uh, you know, some of the detractors are. Um, it came from. Initially, when it was put out there, um, that the initial resolution, right? So one, so some of the things that they were talking about, some of the detractors, um, some of the Republicans, stated that they were going to take away airplane rights, um, and one that ice cream, cheeseburgers, and milkshakes would be a thing of the past because under the Green New Deal, livestock would be banned, right? And so I, when I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, I think I remember hearing something like that, right? But I didn't know that it had anything to do with the Green New Deal, right? So this is, this is, this is how it explains it, right? It says, to reduce methane, a powerful greenhouse gas that cows and other livestock emit, the resolution proposes working collaboratively with farmers and ranchers in the U.S. to eliminate pollution and greenhouse gas emissions from the agriculture sector as much is technology feasible, right? So whenever I feel like you put tech and food together, and you just never know, right? You just never know, right? So um, that's an interesting, you know, that's interesting in, in that of itself because obviously – one of the things that we can take into consideration when we're talking about health is what it is that we, you know, we put into our body. So in certain instances, you know, oh, that's what it was. One of the senators were talking about Kamala Harris talking about she was going to take away, you know, ban steaks and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, that's what it was. So, um, but getting back to cows, um, I'm a hamburger man. I'm not gonna know no if and buts about it. I love me a good hamburger, right? But at the same token, I understand that um as well as peak, I understand the ramifications that, you know, come with, you know, eating that within your diet. So I'm not I'm not gonna go to the extreme and say that, hey, you should just do away with cows altogether. But also, I'm not the climate expert, you know, in the first place, right? So, but 
I wouldn't be against, um, you know, limiting um, that not only for the atmosphere, but also for uh, individual consumption, right? So um, it also proposed basically that they want to change the way that they design buildings, travel, and eat, right? So that kind of goes right, that goes hand in hand with what I just said. So as far as the building designs, um, that was a focal point. I, I remember that vividly from the debate where it talked about that they wanted to tear down all basically current buildings and just rebuild the buildings, right? And it kind of put Joe Biden in a, in, a, in a spot because he was like, well, I don't support the Green New Deal, right? So it's kind of like, mm, okay, whatever you say. So, but... <clears throat> Like I said, so um, before I go into actually looking at some of the things within the bill, I just want to touch on one other thing. So um, it basically talks about, okay, what are the costs? Because it costs money to implement these type of things, right? So nobody truly knows what the costs are. Uh, President Trump said it would cost $100 trillion. Um, nobody knows. Basically, this article said, for now, it's impossible to pin down dollar figures on the plan, right? But here are some of the examples based on this article, right? Uh, it said, one conservative think tank has paid the cost to the federal government of providing Medicare to all at $32 trillion over 10 years. Uh, but it said, but supporters claimed it would actually save taxpayers $2 trillion over 10 years, right? Uh, it says converting the country to 100% clean power. I said in Vermont alone, which has a goal of achieving 90% renewable energy by mid-century. The cost is estimated at $33 billion, yet the state is seeing job growth in clean energy sectors and expects the transition will spur cost saving for consumers. Right. It says modernizing the electrical grid across the United States could cost as much as $476 billion, yet reap two trillion in benefits according to a 2011 study issued by the electric power research institute um it says uh aoc has acknowledged that the green new deal is going to be expensive but contends the plan will pay for itself through economic growth right so um this kind of goes back to another article that i read about <clears throat> and just kind of touching on it um i don't have an article pulled up in front of me but one of the things i took away from it was when it was talking about that, was saying that um, they still have a huge, even though they're they're lowering like the dependency on coal, there's still a large dependency upon natural gas, and it's gonna be really really hard to move away from natural gas and some of these particular different things. So that's a you know that's a completely um, different um, argument there in itself right so moving into the actual deal you can find the deal <clears throat> at congress.gov uh, and it's legislation right so basically um so looking at the tracker right now it's been introduced uh it hasn't been agreed to 
in the house yet. So it's still somewhat, as you say, could say is in its infancy. Basically, it says recognizing the duty of the federal government to create a Green New Deal. Right. So. So it's it's supported by. Um, a multitude of people. Right. Supported by a multitude of people. So basically, um, for those who know or who or those who don't know, I basically talked about that they've been trying to keep the temperature from rising. Um, I believe it's two or maybe three degrees uh, Celsius, right? So, but in his article, and I'm reading from the article, we're reading from the bill. It says, whereas the October 2018 report entitled Special Reports on Global Warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change in the November 2018 Fourth National Climate Assessment Report found that human activity is the dominant cause of observed climate change over the past century. Uh, a changing climate is causing sea levels to rise and an increase in wildfires, severe storms, droughts, and other extreme weather events that threaten human life, healthy, communi healthy communities, and critical infrastructure, right? Uh, global warming at or above 2 degrees Celsius beyond pre-industrialized levels will cause, and this is um, going back to what I was talking about, where they didn't want it to rise above 2 um, or three, so obviously it's actually two. So there's the answer right there. It says a mass migration from the regions most affected by climate change, which is kind of like um, going back to some of those images that I've seen where they have graphics talking about proposed um, rising sea levels. And they were talking about places that are close to the water, uh, most notably like Miami that in the next couple of years, a place like Miami will just be completely underwater. So basically what it's basically saying is like, it is going to push everyone to like almost centralized locations. Like you, the coast like will be more inland. Like it won't be a coast, right? Um, it will, you know, take ports out. So you have to, you know, basically do all of these particular different things like this. And it kind of, to me, it kind of, I went back prior to, because I wanted to do a podcast on climate change, but I was like, nah, nah, I'm not going to do one. But I did do a little research, and so I'm glad I did, so I can kind of add on a little bit more to this. So it was talking about, um, obviously, there was an ice age, right? And from what I read, like, um, the Great Lakes that are admired, right, those were glaciers. Right. Those were glaciers. They, you know, they melted. Right. And obviously, um, and then we would talk about the lost city of Atlantis, where people are trying to pinpoint said, oh, it's over here. It's over here. One conclusion that we can draw that it's underwater. <laughs> right. And it being underwater had to be um, something that had to do with climate change, obviously. Right. So obviously, another thing we can look at that if cows are giving off methane into the atmosphere, then if you believe in a theory of dinosaurs, then you also have to believe that obviously dinosaurs had to be given off 
a whole lot of admissions if they are the size that some people deem that they were and if they were in the type of numbers that they were. Right. So. They could have potentially been the ramifications for, you know, the initial thing. But one of the things that that article or that that group of articles talked about that while climate change um, happens where there are swings from extreme cold temperatures around the entire globe to extremely hot temperatures around the entire globe, it's actually happening at a faster pace where something took hundreds of years to, to occur. It's now happening two to three times faster. And it also spoke about that the sun, at least for, I believe, maybe nine or 10 years moving forward, it's not going to be emitting as much um, energy out. And I forgot what <laughs> I should have been a little bit more prepared, but I wasn't I didn't know that I was actually going to have to pull from this to actually um, bring this all together. But it talked about how while moving forward, there are going to be cooler temperatures due to the energy that the sun is emitting. It is not going to mitigate the climate itself. So basically, the way I took it is that, okay, some people may spin it in the next couple of years and say, well, it can't be any climate change. Look at, you know, look at some of the things that are happening now over a seven, eight year period. When in actuality, it's just that the sun isn't emitting this much energy because of a phase that it's that is going through. But once that phase is over, it's going to be back to business as usual. So what may have been accomplished, maybe say, like I say, in the seven or eight years or however long it is, that's going to be for that's going to be null and void because it's going to get back again to currently what we're at. Right. So um, just just moving back on. Right. <clears throat> so this is what's going to you know, happen if global warming is at or above two degrees Celsius. Right. Mass migration from the region most affected by climate change, more than five hundred billion in loss annual economic output in the U.S. by twenty one hundred. Right. So twenty one hundred is twenty twenty. So we're talking about eighty years from now, a loss of five hundred billion dollars and lost economic output, right? So basically that essentially means, obviously if we're, if we're speaking about droughts and we're speaking about wildfires, obviously um, produce and things of that particular nature, um, we could even talk about rising sea levels affecting ports and stuff like that. You already have hurricanes. So all of these things multiplying and happening all that, you know, progressively over 80 year period, 500 billion dollars is a lot of money. It's a lot of money, right? So it says wildfires that by 2050 will annually burn at least twice as much forest in the Western U.S. than was typically burned by wildfires in the years preceding 2019, right? So basically it's saying that by 2050, you already have wildfires now. Um, I haven't even checked. I I don't even know. (laughs) I'm sorry for my uh, ignorance. I don't even know if there's still if there's still a big wildfire going on in California now. It may it may or may have not been um 
tamed, but um, my, you know, condolences go out to anyone that has lost um, a loved one or have lost anything in those particular fires. But it's basically saying that by 2050, twice as much will be burned than the years before 2019, right? Um, it says a loss of more than 99% of all coral reefs on the earth. And all of this, again, is global warming at or above 2 degrees Celsius. Uh, more than 350 million more people to be exposed globally to death, heat stress by 2050, and a risk of damage of $1 trillion of public infrastructure and coastal real estate in the United States. So that goes back to what I was just saying about... Uh, places like Miami, uh, California, where people live along the coastline. And I've, you know, owned up the into the Carolinas and Virginia and stuff like that. And obviously we know those particular pieces of property are valued extremely more than properties that are in the Midwest, right? Just, uh, I'm not a real estate person, so I don't understand. I don't want to live next to water, so, you know, whatever. But $1 trillion is a lot. $500 billion is a lot. Right. So this is what stands to be lost, you know, if this isn't reared in. Right. So basically it says global temperatures must be kept below 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrialized levels to avoid the most severe impacts of changing climates, which will require global reductions in greenhouse emissions from human sources of 40 to 60 percent by 2100 levels by by. No, excuse me. <laughs> human sources of 40 to 60 percent from 2010 levels by 2030 and net zero emissions global emissions by 2050 so 2050 is roughly 30 years from now so i see 2050 up here a lot right so basically as so i'm basically i can we can all assume that if none of this stuff is 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 um remedied or aggressively um, partaking in by 2050, it's a wrap. You know, it, 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 it's no, it's no turning back, right? So, um, so let me see what's going on, right? Uh, it says, um, this is moving on a little bit more in the article. It said, life expectancy declining while basic needs such as clean air, clean water, healthy food, and adequate health care, housing, transportation, and education are inaccessible to a significant portion of the United States population, right? And this is a first world country having almost like third world problems when we when we really look at these particular things. But like I said on a previous podcast, these are just side effects of capitalism, right? These are just side effects of capitalism, right? Uh, it talks about a decade, a four decade, which is 40 years, trend of wage stagnation, deindustrialization, and anti-labor policies that has led to hourly wages overall stagnating since the 1970s, despite increased worker productivity. The third worst level of socioeconomic mobility in the developed world before the Great Recession the erosion of earning and bargaining power of workers in the United States and inadequate resources for public sector workers to confront the challenges of climate change at local, state, and federal levels and the greatest income inequality since the 1920s. 
with the top 1% of earners occurring 91% of gains in the first few years of economic recovery after the Great Recession. Um, a large racial wealth divide amounting to a difference of 20 times more wealth between the average white family and the average black family and a gender earning gap that results in women earning approximately 80% as much as men at the median, right? So this is just, um, you know, this is like, you know, this is like actually the article, right? So, um, basically, again, it wants to create millions of good high-wage jobs in the U.S. to provide unprecedented levels of prosperity and economic security for all people in the U.S. and to counteract systemic injustices, right? So, when we take all of these particular things into account, one of the things that we have to really take into consideration when we look at create means of good high paying wage jobs to me when i see high pay high paying jobs to me it just is good and it's bad it's good because yeah you can make more money but does you making more money actually mean that you're moving forward because we've all seen the 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 meme probably of where how much food you could get in a shopping cart back in the 80s and 90s um, versus now for the same amount of money, right? So that's kind of one of the same things. Inflation is going to happen, right? It's going to happen. So, and what may deem to be a high-paying job is not necessarily going to be a high-paying job. Like today, in today's terms, maybe $30, $40 an hour, that's considered a fantastic job. But maybe in the near future, that could be the equivalent to maybe 15 or $20 an hour, which is still good. But when we add in taxes and insurance and all these particular different things like that, it, it, it eats away. So essentially the more money you make, but obviously, you know, that's, that's, that's a completely different conversation, right? But it's, it's, it's interesting, but um, and I'm getting kind of close to my time where I want to cut off. I don't want to um, go over too much time, right? But um, one of the things that I saw that was really, really interesting in here to me, right? It's a lot of stuff interesting here, but one of the things that really, really I saw interesting, um, it says working collaboratively with farmers and ranchers in the U.S. to remove pollution and greenhouse gas emission from the agriculture sector as much as technology feasible, right? I read that. But it says including by supporting family farming, by investing in sustainable farming and land use practices that increase soil health, and by building a more sustainable food system that ensures universal access to healthy food, right? So again, like I said, the mindset that I have, what 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 I believe is that obviously what you eat has a bigger impact on your health to me than anything else right so this is one of the things that i think is interesting but this doesn't have to be something that has to have a you know a deal right well federal government involvement right so one of the things that i like all of this um you know i like the way it's written out but the thing that the mindset that I'm in, I don't subscribe to having 
the federal government, you know, basically take charge in every single thing. I feel that one of the things about America, aside from the 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 inception, is that individual people have been able to use their ideas without government um, intervention to move things forward. Now, regulations have came in to to check some things so so that some things don't get too too far out. But <clears throat> if we just look at Amazon, for instance, right? Um, Amazon essentially, while it has taken millions of jobs, it's made accessing goods and services a lot easier where you don't have to get out and drive to go to the particular store and do this. Multiple people are setting up online businesses utilizing Amazon's platform, uh, Alibaba, eBay, all these different other other types of platforms to promote their businesses, right? So, and then you think about um, Uber, right? I live in a rural area, and but I see some of the things that they do in the city coming to the rural areas or the country, so to speak, where you have uh, people delivering food to you. Um, this pandemic has shown people that uh, major corporations that, hey, people can work from home, right? People can work from home. I don't necessarily need you in here when you can just work from home. You can you, you can get it all done. And so I feel like that's something that can help bring jobs back to the U.S. instead of um, outsourcing everything because you're not having to, the money that you're saving on paying the lease and stuff like that, that could be redivided back up and paid, you know, to employees and stuff like that. So again, like I said, that, that, <clears throat> That things like that. And um, I saw one thing where they were talking about how um, with the with the shutdown and the slowdown, it has, um, you know, it lowered the level of emissions, you know, in, in certain areas with the with the with the air. Like I said, I don't stay in the city, but I know sometimes when I'm when I'm working and I'm driving. I see certain signs that say, um, you know, hey, ride together, you know, ride together. Don't if if y'all y'all work together, then, you know, just get in one vehicle, you know, um, and they talk about the, the air quality for the day, you know, things like that. So all, all these particular things play a role. But like I said, human intervention and, and, and human mindset are moving it. It's going to be destruction with that, but you just have to have the ability to adapt, adaptability. Just like now, we don't have to fly, you know, for people that do that type of work to meet people. You have apps that you can meet that person. And the internet is increasing at such a rapid rate that I don't have to be there with you. All we're doing is just, you know, speaking to one another. So like I said, I don't I don't I don't feel that the the federal government has to be uh at the forefront of all these particular different things. I think that individuals can can do that. Um and as far as the <clears throat> excuse me the social security and things like that, because that was one of the things that they that they talked about. 
um, with AOC when they initially proposed the deal where kind of like when they put it out there, it was like, <clears throat> excuse me, it says that she initially sent to reporters, but later disavowed a fact sheet that included some controversial ideas like guaranteeing economic security, including to those unwilling to work. So obviously, things like that, I'm not for that. All right. If you're able to work, whether you are going to work for somebody else or you make a way to work for yourself, you can do that. But I don't want to be burdened with you having the ability to do that. So it said that they disavowed it. So I'm sure something of that particular nature is something that people will say, okay, well, this is this is just a completely socialistic type of thing. Because like in essence, some people may say that, you know, looking at it kind of the way when it says, okay, we want the federal government to do all this. But I feel like that certain people um, and individuals have the ability to do that. Um, as far as like when they talk about discrimination and, and doing that, that has to be the federal government can't make someone not be discriminatory because the system is, is based on that. You may take one form of discrimination away and then they find another way to do discrimination, just like um, with the schooling before schools became um, desegregated, right? You could basically say, okay, well, you can't come to this school because you're black. So now it's desegregated. Okay, well, now you can come to this particular school, but now we're going to move to private school, right? So now we're going to put an economic base on it. It's like, okay, well, it's not about color. You know, can you afford to come here? If you can, boom, you can go. So it, it just it stays in front of certain things. Like I said, things like that have to be things that people in their heart have to want to change. And I don't feel that the federal government can do that. And we have um, a history that, that, that says that, right. And, you know, just looking at the provision in the, in the, in the bill, it says to promote justice and equity by stopping current, preventing future and repairing historic oppression of indigenous people, communities of color, migrant community, industrialized community, depopulated rural communities, the poor, low-income workers, women, the elderly, the unhoused, people with disabilities, and youth, right? So, and they're referred to as frontline and vulnerable communities, right? So they, th those are particular things where people just have to make it up in their mind, right? You can set, it kind of goes back to where, you know, if you're going to do that, then the federal government has to subsidize people because people want to keep their money, Right? And to an extent, I don't blame them for wanting to keep their money. Like if you if you work to get it, because a lot of times um, consumers, for the most part, have put a lot of these people in positions that they are. And now they're at a point where they're just preserving what it is. But that's not stopping other people from coming behind them that are also taking from the consumer, right? Just like when I read where the people were in front of Jeff Bezos' house with a guillotine, right? I can't get mad at Jeff because 
Jeff made X amount of billions of dollars during the pandemic. I can't get mad at you because you 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 offered a service that was doing really well prior to the pandemic, but during the pandemic it has multiplied tremendously. I can't get mad about that. That's your business. I can't get mad about it. All I can do is hope that hey, I can get a I can buy the stock personally or get an ETF or an index fund with the stock in there and just allow for its growth to actually benefit me. And once it gets to the point where it can't grow anymore, hopefully that that money is redistributed via dividends. That's that's basically all I can do. I'm not going to go out there and get in front of your house when obviously I know that there are things that stand in front of um, my community, but we still make a way. So certain stuff like that, that part of the deal, I'm just, uh, I'm cool on it. But as far as just fighting greenhouse gases and everything like that, again, even though I don't feel that the federal government has to be the forefront because people are going to be innovative. Creators are going to create, right? But um, again, you know, some people may feel differently about it. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not here to change anyone's mind and I'm not here to make up anybody's mind about anything, right? That's just my ideas and my mindset about it in its entirety. But again, like I say, it's, it's, I like it uh, as it pertains to the way it's written out because obviously um, we know it's getting hotter, um, more hurricanes, more tornadoes, more things of that particular nature. So whether you are, a scientist and believe that it's globally, or if you're a religious person that feels that um, this is prophesized by prophets, in any regard, it all goes back to one thing. People just have to change the way that they feel about other people. Right? That's it in the nutshell. Right? That's another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast. Paradigm 132 Podcast. I'll be back to you again next week. Peace.